Well, Coach, it's a pretty sweet thing to think about how long it has been since Westlake's won back-to-back district titles, undefeated district seasons. There's not an awful lot of district championships in the in the trophy case, as many as there are quarterfinal championships. But at right. the end of the day, this is a special time for this class to have their senior night, to shut out Bowie, and to move into playoffs. When this group of seniors and this group of juniors were together, that they had the makings of something special. The jury's still a little bit out, but I'm really pleased with where we are right now. We have absolutely pointed out to them what we had in front of us. Uh, I want a district championship to be special to them. I want to make sure that we are enjoying every moment of this season. It's kind of mind-boggling to me that it had been that long. I I know there's other district championships along the way, but it hadn't been back-to-back. When you look at the history of our program, obviously uh, back in uh, Coach Schrader's days, I think there were eight back-to-back, back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back, you know. (laughs) So I know that. I witnessed that as a young coach. Uh, To be able to get that district change was pretty special. Uh, The way that it went down, the way that uh, our season has gone. Defensively, we're dominant. Kicking game, uh, we're getting back to being uh, consistent. And then offensively, we ran the ball well enough, and then we had explosive plays. 34 wins, that's what the senior class has. And, And I look at it mainly if you had sophomores that played or started. And with Blake Webster, you get John Erline, who started his first varsity start. And it's hard to believe that he's been a center for a very long time. And his dad's been, you know, an offensive coordinator forever. And you never really think about what your first varsity start means. And it means a district championship. So there was some cobwebs and rust to knock off for John coming back from an injury and meshing with the other four offensive linemen. But one of the things that we saw that you have to get right is the snaps. Well, that's the thing that people just don't realize, and you know, I don't expect people to, but he was in the same position last Friday night that Nattenstadt, Connor Halverson, Danny Salazar, and Ben Christen were in week one. That was their first varsity start. This was John's first varsity start on the offensive line, and it happened to come in a district championship ball game. And we're very proud of him. What a blessing for us. I mean, we are all, you know, absolutely sick about, you know, our leader. Blake has uh, continued to. You, you know, if you come to our practices, he's up. He's in his wheelchair. He's on his crutches, wherever, giving uh, support to his teammates. But John did well, and he got that one under his belt. We were really fortunate. The, the doctor went ahead and gave him the okay. And it was really good to get him in there the game before the playoffs start. Yeah, that's exactly what my thoughts were as I was kind of explaining the the substitution and, and just who was going to replace Blake Webster is you always want to face a tough, nasty front seven your first time out and get beat a couple times. You want to get your nose bloodied before it starts to really matter. Kids get another home game. We go into Clemens that are coming off back-to-back losses, but it is a team that before those back-to-back losses were 6-2 and two right. and playing very good football. What do you see from Clemens offensively and how do they go about their business on the offensive side of the ball? We've been really impressed with their schemes. I think they're well coached. They're inexperienced in some places. Uh, they switched quarterbacks about midseason. The guy that's playing for him now is a real dual threat kind of guy, more leaning on the running part of things. He was uh, one of their starting safeties to begin the season. I told our players the other day, I said, you know, all I got to do is just, uh, you know, pop on max preps and let's just punch the button that says team history and look at all the times they've been to the playoffs. And I'll tell them, okay, they beat Smithson Valley. What do you all think about that? Our kids are smart enough to understand that, yes, this team's six and four. Yes, they've stubbed their toe, you know, two weeks in a row coming to the playoffs. However, you you know, one of those stubs of the toe was to Judson. They're a football team that reminds me, as far as their athletes, a little bit of Bowie and a little bit of Cy Ranch, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, when you when you see them on the hoof and you start looking at comparable size, uh, probably not quite as big in their front, their offensive and defensive lines, not quite as big as Cy Ranch, uh, not quite as big as Bowie, but 
really good, fast athletes all over the field. You know, in basketball, we, we would call it uh, the pick-and-roll game, but with Max DiDomenico and Jare Patterson, Patterson's the home run threat down mm-hmm. the field. He can break long yardage, you know, only being about 165 pounds, he can run. They do like to take shots downfield, and how Clemens is broken down statistically, you know that they don't pass a whole lot, but when they do, they they have been successful, and DiDomenico's been successful later on in the year as he's gotten the rhythm with his receivers downfield, and I think you look at Caleb Thigpen and Vicente Perez, you've got weapons on the outside. Very capable skill position players. Domenico definitely has the arm to get it to him. You know, the biggest thing that you worry about is the play action pass, power read pass, where you get that long fake and then you get double moves outside. Our players have had a really good week of preparation, but number 18 can flat out skin it and he can run. Perez has been kind of the, he's been the guy that's got the most catches for him. You know, they're very, very capable. You look at the defensive line, and I know you mentioned this in Quarterback Club on Tuesday. There is a gentleman that uh, kind of runs the show on the defensive line who's a very good player, and for being about 5'9", 5'10", 270 pounds, very athletic. In a one-and-done, by-district round, when you're not favored to win, if Clemens has a shot, getting pressure on Taylor Anderson, obviously stopping the run up front, all starts with Kadari Graham. Kadari's been very impressive on video. You know, he's a guy that, you know, they are a 4-3 scheme. He plays the one technique quite a bit. I'm sure if they were a 3-4 scheme or he played for someone's a 3-4 scheme, he'd be the nose guard. You know, strong kid, very, you know, low center of gravity. Athletic for a young man that size. You know, he's definitely a guy that uh, uh, that we got to watch out for. Defensively, when you're talking to Taylor and your receivers, when you've got those guys in the room and you say, okay, what's the what's the gold star? What do you circle to say, look for this, look for this? Against our two-by-two two sets, they're a big cover-two team. Two high safeties, hard corners against our trips. Three by one sets, they're more of a one high look. They run some what we call some strong cloud, which is kind of a combination of those two coverages. We've had a good week of preparation on identifying, but it is a lot of zone coverage. Last week faced a lot of man coverage. You know, they're not a bunch that gives up a, a whole lot of really big plays just by the, the structure of their secondary. It's going to be one of those deals that we have to be patient. We have to dink and dunk, you know, as far as in the passing game. We have to be able to run the ball. Uh, we have to be able to make those outside linebackers stretch out so that the running game can go because if you if you get them against a 4-3 defense if you can get their outside linebackers to be interested in your inside receivers and then uh, you've got a, a light box to run to so it'll be that kind of game there is a different way of attacking about five different formations that we have uh, they specifically play a particular coverage to to a formation it's been a it's been a, a fun week of preparation just because uh, I always like competing against people you haven't competed against before it's kind of a, you know it's kind of exciting it's also exciting the fact that uh, we were able to get out and practice in the cold and now if we're able to force enough to get on a run if we ever have a game in the playoffs that's really really cold we'll be prepared for it we've talked about rain all the rain that the central texas area has gotten over the course of the season and you guys being off schedule and holidays i think this is the first maybe two week stretch where you've actually had a, a true blue schedule like you're used to but then mother nature comes back in with another curveball and delivers a sub-freezing practice and a sub-freezing practice on wednesday morning as well the buoy game the wind became an issue as well. Mm-hmm. So we saw Taylor you know, struggling throwing the ball deep and the wind affecting the football. Weather will be an issue at some point, and, and I think that's a, a good reality check for everybody to remember that in this five-week run, we don't have very many games that are guaranteed indoors. You take the opportunity to practice in the elements 
you know, every opportunity you get. And I will admit, on Tuesday morning, it was really, really hard to kind of, when we've got that indoor workout facility, to make the call. But I did. We had a fabulous practice, but it was downright cold because the wind was really kicking on Tuesday morning. Our players had a really good attitude about it. We got good work in. You know, I'm, I'm glad it wasn't wet, though. I don't think we'd even, if, if we had had any uh, rain with that, we probably wouldn't even been in school because it was plenty of cold to freeze up. The psychology of moving from the district schedule to the playoff schedule. Now, you've got a seasoned bunch that, that know how this goes, but now you've got all of your JV call-ups and all of your quarterbacks mm-hmm. now experiencing this this playoff preparation with you. Mm-hmm. And now they're starting to get the experience. And we've heard from a number of the guys that we've talked to in our Shap of the Week interviews how that has helped them. Right. It's important to understand the experience of a Westlake playoff right. football preparation as far as the game is concerned. How have the older players helped the younger players understand that this is what we have to do to get ready for a game that's that's a one-and-done, winner-go-home situation? I don't think that there's a whole lot of say anything. It's just do it. And that's what the whole reason behind having these 30-some-odd players uh, added to the squad is I want you to see it. I want you to continue to practice football for the next, hopefully, five to six weeks. That would equal uh, a whole other spring football practice for y'all. You know, for all of our quarterbacks in our system, I have them all up because it's an opportunity for us to, you know, all of our young quarterbacks get to watch a guy that probably will end up being the second highest total offensive leader in school history operate on a day-to-day basis. He is a pretty good worker, and I want them to see how how he goes about his business day in and day out. Receivers catching balls, defensive linemen, when it's time to go, special teams are down there with Coach Vosick going through drills. It's invaluable. The easy thing to do for myself or for any head coach is not bring anybody up and just stay status quo, And but that's not the best thing for your program. The best thing for your program is you get those, hopefully we get on a run in the next year, you'll see some of these guys that are starting or playing on varsity, and you go, golly, they got good pretty quick. Yeah, you took advantage of it during the playoffs. Final thought, Coach, uh, look at the performance, and this speaks to not only the production that you value as you evaluate games and players, but also your roster in total. When a guy only has two catches and can still earn a most productive offensive player. A guy like Jackson Coker kind of embodies that perfect Westlake football player, a guy that's unselfish and deliver for his teammates. I mentioned Jackson because it is unique to have that kind of uh, production for a guy that only had a couple of catches and no touchdowns. So I think we go beyond the headlines, beyond the ink, all that stuff that the media likes to cover, and we talk about downfield blocking, RBIs like you've been, you've been talking about all season long. How important are those types of performances going into playoffs? It does not surprise me one bit that he got the most productive player because there are certain games in our inside running game you'll notice when we're running the ball inside a lot of times this season we're having our receivers who are running bubble routes or two-man games as we call them last week against Bowie we took the games off we need to be physical Jackson had like seven RBIs he embodies what we talk with our players about please enter our field house with an attitude of gratitude and an attitude of what can I do for the Shaps rather than what the Shaps can do for me and hopefully through going through our program you'll You'll learn that if I do enough good for other people, then all the good will come flying back to me. And that's what Jackson Coker does, you know, day in and day out. Coaches always thanks for the time. Good luck. Thank you.